Okay, so what I would like to do today is look at something like a little bit, um, to really to look at something a little bit different. Um, this week's Pasha Korach, we all know the Pasha, we all know the story of Korach. The story of Korach is such a powerful story because um, it has so much meaning to it. We know that there's this Mishnah in Pirka Avot that speaks about Machloket. Machloket L'Shem Shamayim, Machloket Shelo L'Shem Shamayim. And uh, and Korach features all the time. He 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 has such an such an enormous um, impact on 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 the on the Jewish psyche uh, because what he did was so was so rotten and so bad. Even though he was such a great person, and we need to understand who he was. He was a wealthy man. He was a big tzaddik. He was in everything. But his 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 desire for moreness, his his lack of what we call. Um, his tapkut, his lack of enoughness, right, was, was really his downfall. Um, and, uh, and, and that's such a massive lesson to take. But then, then we move out of that and we know the whole, the, whole, um, the, the whole story of the opening of the ground. And I don't want to go into that. We, then we see that there's a challenge on the levia of, of Aaron. And so Moshe Rabbeinu tells Aaron, because Hashem told him to take the mate Aaron and to, the, the, to take all these different... Um, Staffed and to put them into the ground. And the next morning, the mate of Aaron, Aaron's um, staff because has almonds on it. Uh, just before that, the, the people had died in a, in a 20,000 odd people had died in a plague, which Aaron stopped with a katoret. So there's really an enormous amount of, of stuff, of, of narrative that happens in the Parsha. And all of that narrative leads us ultimately where Amishrael realized that they're a little bit scared. They're scared because whilst on the one hand they want to come close to Hashem, on the other hand, it seems to be that uh, every time they do come close to Hashem, like, the, like the, 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 all those piece of people that wanted to come to, closer to Hashem who joined Korach, they got burnt up. And so there's, there's a, if we look in Bamidbar, Yud Zayin Chav Zayin, that Bamidbar 17 uh, verse 27. So just have a, have a look there. And we'll see that um, suddenly B'nai Israel express this terrible, terrible fear and this terrible um, concern about where they're going to go. So it's Yud Zayin, Chav Zayin. After this whole story with the, with the, with the staff of Moshe, um, so it says that we asked Moshe, and Moshe did everything that Hashem had told him. And then it says, Israel Israel now come up to Moshe and they say to Moshe, Hain Gavanu Avadnu Kulanu Avadnu. Hain, which means behold, Gavanu, which means that they are um, um, we're about to die. Avadnu Kulanu Avadnu. We we will be we are lost, we are totally lost. Why call a karev, ha karev al mishkana shem yamut? Ha'im tamnu legoiva, right? Said that anybody who comes close to Hakadosh Baruch Hu to the Mishkan of Hashem will die. Ha'im tamnu legoiva. Will we? Will we? Um, will we ever stop to die? Will we ever not die? So it's like difficult to understand what happened. What suddenly happened that Bnei Israel that um, after all these things they they, they realize that they need to be aware of how they relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how they relate to Hashem, all these things, all of a sudden, they come and they're terrified. They're terrified that they're going to die. They're terrified if they come too close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they're going to die. 
So says Rashi, then when it says, Kol akarev akarev yumat, ain anu yocholim liyot zirim bakach. So they said, you know, we, we can't be careful enough. We can't be that careful. Kulanu rasha'im likanesh lachatzar oil mo'ed. We said, we're all allowed to come into the oil mo'ed, into this tent of meeting, into the mishkan, into the place where is really the uh, most concentrated space of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We all can come into there, but what? And the person who will come closer than his friend. But he'll just do one little bit closer than he should have come. Come closer, he'll die. So B'nai Israel say, are really saying that the boundaries are just too difficult. That for us to be able to control ourselves, it's an amazing thing this, by the way, because this is a very good reflection on B'nai Israel, right? For us to be able to control ourselves, not to enter one, the, 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 that one step further than we should into the space of the Mishkan, is going to be so difficult for us, but we know that the consequence of doing that is that we're going to die. And it's difficult to understand what exactly, what exactly is it that B'nai Yisrael are worried about? You know, so that, you know, I mean, how difficult it is. You've got to keep distance. There's a line that you can cross and there's lines you can't cross. So why don't we do that? So I, well, I thought it was quite interesting because that's where we are right now. We're in the space where we've got this line that we can cross and the line that we shouldn't cross. We call it social distancing. You can call it whatever you want, right? But that's what it is. We're supposed to not cross certain lines. And uh, as I read this Russia, I thought, yeah, that's us. We know that there are lines. We are so good at creating the lines. We're just not good at keeping the lines, right? We, li- we cross the lines all the time. And really, kola karev akarev, that we, are, we, we want to, there's this thing about closeness. Baruch Hashem, you know, it's an amazing thing when you really think about it, that Am Yisrael's desire is the concept of korban. Korban means, doesn't mean sacrifice, korban means closeness. We have this major desire to be close to one another. So if we have a desire to be close to one another, and we have a desire to be close to the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then we're always at risk. Because where do we find those boundaries? How do we create those boundaries? And that's really what the Emek Davar says. The Emek Davar, um, Rav Natali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, the Natsif, Aziz Gavaldik, he's, I don't know, you know I've, I've always, for, I think for the last 35 years, I've, uh, I've loved him. And uh, I just find him so, he, he, he just, he speaks to me, he resonates with me, and I hope he'll resonate with you as well. So he says the following. If you look at that posuk, that we've just looked at. Call hakarev, hakarev elamishkan Hashem. Yamut. Anyone, we translate it as anyone who comes near. But it really means anyone who comes near, who comes near. So he, the Nitzv points out, why do you need two coming nears? Just say, call hakarev. That's a simple, call hakarev, you might. Anyone, or yamut, right? Anyone who's going to come will, uh, will die. So he says the following. If you look, in the um, in in the in the trop of the kola karev hakarev, that there's an emphasis. The trop, the trop, if you it's very uh, underneath each each one of those words of hakarev under the under the resh, there are two trops. The one is a darga, and the other one is a tavir. Both of those uh, trops are emphasis trops. 
They're not just um, they're not just normal. You're not just reading quickly. It's, you would read it as kol hakarev hakarev. So there are two there are two emphases being emphases being put on, onto those words. So why is it? So he says lelamdenu to teach us what the einstehatevos halalu b'mashmautechad. These two words do not have the same meaning. The hakarev harishon, the first one. The first karev means, it's implying a person who wants to come close to Hashem to come close to Hashem with, um, with, uh, with, with, with connection and with love. But the next one that says, What does it mean? That a person wants to come close. The other one is the person who wants to come close to Hashem. Why? Because he wants to wants to just get close to Hashem. There are two types of getting close to Hashem. There's the there's this closeness to Hashem that comes because I have such a desire to connect to Hakadosh Baruch Hu with my with the Vaikut and Ava. And the other one is I just want to like. I'm, I'm interested. I want to know what's going on in being close to Hashem. And that is the crying that they're having here now. He says, you know why? Because the truth be told. That if a person really wants to connect so close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there should be nothing in our path that is going to stop us coming closer to Hashem and to go all the way up to the Heichel of Hashem, or to all the way up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's um, home. Ki kamot avat Hashem, because that's how powerful avat Hashem is. Like it's an amazing idea that, um, you know, we speak a lot about avat Hashem, we speak a lot about Yirat Hashem, we speak a lot about these concepts. And then the Tzifia says that what does avat Hashem mean? The, the, the Gemara and, 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 and all the Mepharshim and just being as a, as a parent, you know, you love your child so much that you'll do anything for them. Chas Khalila, so they should be in a situation of difficulty. We'll go out of our way to ensure that we assist them in whatever way we possibly can. Right? That's what Ava is. That's the depth of Ava. And he says the Nitzir that Ava Tashem is the same thing. If you really want to connect to HaKadosh Baruch, you really love Hashem so much, then nothing can stop you from going up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know, I was so zoiche. I feel zoiche. Other people have criticized me, but I'm going to tell you what I feel. I feel, I was so zoiche. I was so merited. Last year, I went, we went, Natalie and I took Menachem, our son. Um, it was, it, we tried to take them before the bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, but we didn't get a chance because we had a baby. So we took him after his bar mitzvah to Eretz Israel just to experience something Eretz Israel. And it's important that... Uh, that uh, we have a holistic connection to everything. So, um, so we took him there, and we're on a Friday night, we're eating at these friends of ours in Yerushalayim, in Akkadesh, in the middle of the old city. And, um, sorry, I'll just get a bit hectic with that. But anyway, so we're in, we're in Yerushalayim, and um, we're sitting there, and, I'm, and this guy comes for supper. And you know, some like, strange bloke, and I'm sitting and talking to him, and he tells me that he's got, they've got this yeshiva, the yeshiva of Harabait. I don't know if you ever heard of the yeshiva of Harabait. It's not the most popular, and it's certainly not the biggest. So I was like, what do you mean the yeshiva of Harabait? Never heard of it. So he says, now what we do is that, um, you know there's that ramp that goes all the way up to, Har- to, to Harabait. 
So on that ramp, there's a, a little place where all the tourists stop to get a briefing of the geography of Harabite. And there, there are five or six of them that sit and they learn. Right? That's the yeshiva of Harabite, which is very cool. So I said, oh, that's very nice. I said, no, you must come and learn. And then we'll, but if you come early enough, we'll come, we'll go daven on Harabite. So this is like, now I'm, now I'm in, right? So I know there, there are people who say one shouldn't go. There are people that say that you should go. I decided to go with the people who said that you can go because that was what I wanted to do. So I went into them. So I davened earlier. Um, and then we went, went to the mikveh because you got to go to the mikveh before you go up to Harabite. And then we go and meet him. We learn a little bit and then we go on to Harabite. And, um, while, while we walked, so the, the rule, the rule is that you're not allowed to talk. You know, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to daven on Harabite. You're not allowed to. Um, that's what the, the wafk have said. And um, so, which is a very difficult thing. You know, you, you're as close as you can possibly be to the, the ruins of the base Hamikdash. You want to say something, you want to daven, but you're not really supposed to, you're not really allowed to. So, um, so we all get there together. And this whole group of these chevra who go up every day to daven, they start davening. They're mumbling, but you can hear them mumbling. And you can see that they're davening. You can see that they're mumbling. And they're davening and they're davening. It was the most unbelievable experience to be able to, to see that people have such avat Hashem. They have such avat. They have such desire to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even though when they're told they're not supposed to do it, they still did it. And because it was understood that this was a little group and it was an organized group, so that even the Arab uh, guards there that took us there, they didn't say anything. Thing there, you know, until until things became too much, and then they said something. So it's amazing. So we said kedusha on Harabat, All these things is an unbelievable way to connect, and that's what he's saying. The Nativ is saying, if you want to do something, if you have such avat Hashem to do it, you can reach up la lot Hashem ki azah kamot avat Hashem because that's how powerful avat Hashem is. And says the Nativ, that's what Bnei Israel were worried about. Bnei Israel were worried that like, and we're going to see this. Well, we see with the, um, the, ch- with the children of, uh, of Aaron and we see with people who want to come close to Hashem in a way that you're not supposed to come close. And we see all the time that these people, what? People who, who have this desire to come so close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then those are the people that um, um, are, going to, are, are going to die. And he says, Will we ever stop to die? He says the Nitzivare call Hashem. Says you can't control your desire for Hashem. If you suddenly have an inspired desire to connect to Akadish Baruch Hu in such a powerful way, you can't control it. And that's why B'nai Yisrael say, if that's the case, we're terrified. We're terrified that we're going to become, we're going to come close to Akadish Baruch Hu. We're going to come close to the Beit HaMikdash. We're going to come close to the, the Mishkan. And we're going to get so overwhelmed. Ava Hashem, we want to come closer. And there's no boundaries. It's just my boundary. The boundary that I create, create for myself. And if that's the case, we're all going to die. Terrible thing. Terrible, t- terrible fear that they have. And, uh, and therefore, because of that, explains the Nitziv, he says, that's why the, the next passage speaks about when Moshe says to, where Hashem says to Aaron, Hashem al Aaron, You guys are responsible to make sure. You're responsible to make sure that nothing happens against the Beis Amigdash. You have to make sure that your Kuna is, in, is in, intact and you have to make sure 
that um, that you guard the the base amikdash to make sure that nobody else can come up there because that's the job of the kohanim and sometimes we forget that that the job of the kohanim is not simply to um, to to we've said this before just to do the korbanot but the job of the kohanim is to teach and the most important aspect of the teaching of bnei israel is that we need to ensure that our avat hashem and our response to avat hashem and our um, and our inspiration is well fo- is well focused in the right place. We often get inspired by very by, by many different things, and when we get inspired by these different things, what we have to ensure is that our inspiration is then focused in the absolutely correct way. Because if we don't do that, then um, then we, we we can get lost. And chas v'shalom, the way at least the way Chazal explained that we can die, and dying means a spiritual death. Also, it means you can we can be so inspired to do the wrong thing. And uh, without the proper, without the proper hadracha, without the proper um, teaching, without the proper guidance, then chas v'shalom that would happen. So the um, the Shemi Shmuel, who is one of the great Hasidic masters, um, tries to understand what what where why are they so worried? Where where does all this concern come from, and what is it based on? So he says the. Um, if you if you look in the uh, in the um, in the what's his name? Oh, sorry, now uh, it's the translation, the Targum in the Targum in the, in, the, in the translation in Aramaic by Unculus of the uh, of the Torah. So let me just under- understand who Unculus was. Unculus was a Roman prince, and uh, he he was an incredibly bright man. And suddenly, for some reason, it's not really clear why, but. Um, Unculus decides to convert to Judaism. Imagine this. This is the height of, uh, of the difficulties in Rome. It's the height of the Jewish people are, um, are trying to, are, are battling against the, the people in Rome. And when there are so many decrees against them, against mitzvahs and learning and everything like that. And all of a sudden, this chap Unculus decides to convert. He converts and he's very committed. And the, uh, the Caesar sends his best soldiers to, to come and bring him back to Rome because they wanted to understand what's going on. And then they're probably going to kill him. And, um, and they arrive at the house and they say to him, you know, you've got to come with us. And he says something to them and uh, they all convert, all the soldiers. I mean, that's proper Kirov, right? right? Then, then he sends another group of soldiers and the same thing happens. And these are like the special forces of Rome. So, um, excuse me one second. Special forces of Rome. So, so he then sends another group of soldiers and he says to those soldiers, you're not allowed to speak to him. So they find, you know, obviously they're going to listen to the, um, to, to their orders and they go and they bring him in and they're on the way out of his house. And as they're at the house, he stops and he connects with the mezuzah. He touches the mezuzah and they say to him, what are you doing? And he explains mezuzah, boom, there and then they convert. He must have been the most unbelievable Makarev. You can imagine. So, so now, so Unculus, and then there's Ultra, but this is the man who's Unculus. He has such a deep, deep ava and a deep connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he wrote a Targum. He wrote a, a, a translation of the Torah in Aramaic. And uh, in his translation, he says, if you look at the words in verse 27, it's um, the Bnei Israel used three languages of them dying. Hengavanu, avanu, kulanu, avanu. We're going to die, we are lost, we are lost. 
And he says, what are those three different um, languages of, uh, of death? The reason for those three different languages of death are because of the three different ways in which Bnei Israel um, were worried that they would die. Firstly, they were worried they would die by the sword which is the normal way that you would, would die. Then they were worried that they might also be swallowed up by the... By the and also, they were worried that they might die in a magefa, in a plague, which is the one that had just happened before, um, um, for the... Uh, uh, for, for, for Bnei Israel, who, who, who had spoken incorrectly against the Kodesh Baruch Hu again. And so what their concern is, is that they're worried that they're going to die these strange deaths and they'll be... Conclu- and they'll be um, included in all the in, in the um, the terrible chilul Hashem that uh, that Korach was part of, and so there and why? Because they don't want to have a chilul Hashem. What they want to do is they want to come as close as they possibly can to the Ribbon Shalaylam. Says the um, the the Rabbeinu Bachaya that uh, similar along the lines that we spoke, but he says the following. He says. Um, Anyone who comes close to, to the Mishkan, to the, the sanctuary of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, will die. Why does it say Karev twice? Because it's coming to tell you that there's, there's a coming close and there's another coming close. And what is that a second coming close? That second coming close is the way... Some people, and this is important for us as teachers to understand, but also important for us as parents to understand. There's some, we, you know, we can take, <laughs> I had a friend, I, well, I have a friend, um, Barry Cohen. You know, he said to me, you know, you can take a horse to water, but a pencil must be lit. Right? So the, um, you, everyone get that? Take a horse to water, pencil must be lit. Good, okay. So uh, the point is that you can take out your child, you can take your student, you can take whoever it wants to a point. But then they have to decide where they're going to go to the next point. And that's what the Rabbeinu Bachai is saying. That Bnei Yisrael, as a, as a general uh, group of people, were concerned that they would go to a certain point and some of them would be okay. But what about the rest? What about the rest of them who said, I want to come closer? And so therefore comes along, Kodesh Baruch, as we said, and tells Bnei Yisrael, as it tells um, Aaron that he is the one who has to who has to stop them. The um, the interesting part is really is how it is that Aaron is given this role to stop Bnei Israel from coming too close to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Because it's to me, and I haven't seen this anywhere, but to me it smacks of another um, time where Bnei Israel were, were so overcome with emotion. And then they approach Aaron. Where is that? That's the time of the Egel Azav. They come to Aaron. They overcome with emotion. They're overcome with fear. It's the same fear. It's the same thing. They're worried about something's going to happen to them. Because Moshe Rabbeinu has not yet come down from, from, um, from, uh, from Hasina. And they're totally and absolutely terrified that, they, that no one is going to lead them. And what happens is they come to Aaron and Aaron... At that point, and I don't, I don't want to say it you know, in a way, but I, I mean, there's no way I, 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 he seems to mess up. That instead of containing them, 
Instead of creating the proper structures for them. He tries to do that in a way, but it's all a little bit obscure. Instead of doing what he needed to do, which was really to give them the leadership that they needed to have. What does Aaron do? He ultimately says, go and get your, your rings and do all these things to try and avoid them doing what they want to do. But it doesn't help. And he becomes really one of the main protagonists um, inadvertently of the golden calf. And here Kodesh Baruch who says to Aaron, right, here's your opportunity in a way to undo that, to undo the negativity of that, is that I'm going to give you a um, very clear instruction. And the instruction is how to ensure that the overplay of emotion Overplay of desire to connect with the Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't impinge on the, on the on the appropriate halachic process, and I think that that is something that's so important for us, right? That um, the avodas Hashem, our service of our Kodesh Baruch Hu, is something that that is is so twofold. On the one hand, we have this incredible concept of davening. Davening is in the most unbelievable process because how can it be that I am I'm able to like, approach Hashem in that way and I can ask Him for anything and I can speak to Him in any way. But Chazal said before you do that, there's a, there's a structure that has to be put in place. And the structure is what we call our Siddur. That gives us a process and a structure to engage and ultimately that manifests itself in... Um, in, in Amidah. And Amidah has got a specific structure. And the structure of the Amidah is that we start off with praise. Then we, are, then we have Bakasha request. And then we have Hoda'ah where we have uh, uh, expressions of gratitude. That process says the uh, pre-Tzadik. And, uh, um, and the truth is many of the, of, the, of the Hasidic works speak about this. That that process is simply, hear this, the introduction to Tefillah. That whole process is an introduction to Tefillah. It gives us the structure in which we are able to develop our, our connection to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, and then we can daven. <laughs> which is quite something, right? right? We think that Tefillah is Tefillah. And that's why if you look in your Siddur, um, when you're davening, you've got through this whole thing. How many brachas are in Shemona Esrei? In the in the, the thing that's called the eighteen brachas, the nineteen brachas. Now, only Jews can do that, right? We can call something that's got nineteen eighteen. So why the nineteen brachas? Because there used to be eighteen, and then an additional one was added over the course of uh, centuries during the time of the Romans, because there were these Jews that were busy um, uh, the Malshinim. They were telling, uh, they were um, tittle-telling on the Jews, and and because they were telling off telling the Jews, so therefore came along. Um, Chazal, and they said we better establish a bracha that will um, that will be against those people who are telling on the Jews or who are busy telling to the, the authorities. So Shmuel Hakatan, who was a man who was who just loved everybody, he loved every Jew, he had no malice, no matter what the Jew did. So he was the one who was asked to do this. So the tefillah itself has no anger in it, has no malice. You know, we, um, you know, I'm very passionate, as you may have picked up over a while. Okay, I'm in the things that I do. And so that passion has a, has a, has a bit of a, t- a sting to it. And the sting is that I also get very angry with things that, that don't, that I, that I'm not happy with. But Shmuel Akatan, even though he knew that these Jews were taking these other Jews and they were getting them killed, they were getting them tortured. Nonetheless, he had no malice against those Jews. He just didn't like what they were doing. 
quite amazing, right? The action versus the person. And because of that, he's the one who was established as the person who would create this bracha. So he creates the 19th bracha, Velamal Shinim. But the point is, you've got the Shemona Esrei of all these brachas where you ask Hashem for everything that we could possibly have as Am Yisrael. And then at the end, it's amazing. It's like unbelievable. At the end, where, where we think we're supposed to be finishing the Shemona Esrei, the Shemona Esrei then starts with this tefillah of one of the Amorim, of one of the great, great sages of all time. And it says, Elokai Natsolo Shani Meira. Right? Then we speak about Hashem, God, my tongue from speaking badly and all the other things that we say. But why do we need that? Haven't you just davened? You've just davened, Shmona Esra. You've just davened the, 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 uh, the, the process that Chazal told you to daven. So why do you need to put this thing? Because the Gemara says that after, Chaz, after they had davened, Basad de Tulusa, after the tefillah of all the different Amoraim, I just want to just get this other, um, another Siddur, which has got seven or eight different fillers, which are from the Gomorrah and Brochus, of, of what the Amoraim did after they davened. This is one of them. This one that we had. I'll leave the others. This is one of the things that, that the Amoraim said after they had davened. Why is that? Because the pros, it's clear. And this is what B'nai Yisrael were worried about in the, in, the, in the Midbar. It is so clear that there's a point where we connect through our desire to connect with Hashem. That's called Shmona Esra. And then there is a point where we go beyond that. And that's the end, Elokai Natsor. And if you look at Elokai Natsor, the truth is, and I think let's just go through it if you're happy to do that, just to get a little bit of a, of a thing. If anybody has a sitter in front of them, or if you want to take a minute, I'll give you a minute just to get a sitter. And for me to drink a bit of coffee. Now, we're not going to go through it in detail now, um, but let's go through it for, the, for, the, for a few minutes just to understand what is really going on in Elokai Natsor. Because if I've davened for everything that I could possibly want, and, and, if you, and we look, we know the Shemona Esra is everything, Tshuva, Slicha, Geula, Rafua, wealth, um, uh, Kibbutz Galiot, Eretz Yisrael, uh, you name it, we've davened for it. Um, so then why do I need this next thing? And when we understand what this next thing is about, then we'll understand. Elokai. So we start for the first time in davening after the 19 brochas. We don't speak to our Kodesh Baruch Hu as Eloheinu anymore. That's the first thing that you like. As you hit that, you say, oh my gosh, something is different here. Baruch Hashem That's how we start, which means the our God. It's always us and us and us and us, and it's an amazing thing because we find such strength in the coming togetherness of Kehila. But this this time, this COVID time, I think, I know for me, has been a very big awakening that um, it's not about the coming together in Kehila only, and and it's very important for us to understand that because. Uh, Rav Shimshon Rafael Hirsch said that uh, if he could close the shuls, he's a bit prophetic, just didn't know how to do it. If he could close the shuls, he would do it. He would do it so that people would realize that the space of Yiddishkeit is not in the shul. The space of Yiddishkeit and the space of real connection is in the homes, is in places outside of the shul. Elohai, when we say Elohai, it means I, me, I'm on my own. I've now moved myself out of that tzibur. And I'm standing before you, the Rebbeinah Shul Olam. So now picture yourself. 
in front of the Kotel. Right? You've got something to daven for. We all have. Baruch Hashem. Our children, grandchildren. Who knows? There's always something to daven for. Thank God. And there's always something to be grateful for. Thank God. There's always something to, to praise our Kodesh Baruch for. Thank God. There's so much. And I always do it in that context. Now I'm standing. Elohai. Me. One on my own. And the first thing I say is, Natsor l'shoni meira. Usfatai midaber mirma. The first thing I say is, don't let me sp- speak Loshon Hora. Huh? What, that's the most important thing? Why do I start with that? So I think that's a couple of things. Firstly, I don't think it's only Loshon Hora. I think it's also the concept, Natsor l'shoni meira. What is Ra? Ra is, we've spoken about, it's the opposite of Tov. Ra is not speaking that which is godly. And I don't mean speaking about like Netflix series. I mean speaking about things that are damaging. And I can speak about damaging things in many ways. I can, uh, I can speak about the things and the manner in which I speak about that. But more often than not, the things that I, that when, when I speak about things that are damaging, sometimes I speak about... Um, you know, I had a, uh, the way I can describe it, I had, I had a, a Rebbe in Yeshiva and uh, we were sitting and we were learning a Gomorrah. I don't remember exactly what it was, but um, the, the, um, the way we did it is that um, we, would, we would sit around the Rebbe and we would read and translate and then he would explain if we didn't get the explanation properly. It was an amazing um, uh, educational technique. But anyway, so we're sitting there and uh, the, uh, one of the, one of the Bochrim says, one of my mates speaks to him, he says, I'm a Rav, I'm a Rabbi Yochanan. So he says, so Rav said in, in the name of this guy, Rabbi Yochanan. And the Rebbe went ballistic. He said, how do you call Rabbi Yochanan a guy? He's not a guy, he's Rabbi Yochanan. And already there I realized that what the thing is that we, we, we are quite flippant with the way we speak about things and the way we speak about people. And a lack of reverence where reverence is placed and too much reverence where reverence is misplaced is Lashoni Mira. That's how powerful he's asking. And we have to be careful. Sometimes we don't always speak what is absolute truth. And those who curse me, let my soul be quiet. Let my soul be like, like dust to everything. So what is going on there? is really the understanding that I'm standing before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and who am I? Who am I? Why do I speak Lashon Hara? Why do I speak ill about things? Why do, I, why do I get affected by what other people say to me? Right? Why, is that, why, why is that happening to me? Because that's what he's asking not to happen in this tefillah. And the reason is because I don't feel strong in, strongly enough about the human being that I am. And I believe that very strong, very, very strongly. That every day I can daven for everybody else in the whole world. And I can daven for, you know, you name it, for Rafua and for Geula and for Brocha and Atzlocha and all these things. But the one thing I need to daven for most importantly, actually, is, is as Hillel said, I've got to daven for myself. In my approach to my Avat Hashem, it's got to be because I have Avat Atzmi. I love myself. And because I love myself, I understand that in order for me to have a deep connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and in order for me to self-actualize the most, me 
as Johnny Altman, as the Jew with my neshama, I have to have an Avas Hashem of a different level. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm saying, it's not only Loshinora about others, it's Loshinora about myself. It's not only speaking deceitfully about, to, about others, speak about deceitfully about myself. And if I feel strongly in who I am, then those people who say things against the things that I may say or I may do, if I'm doing them with the proper integrity, I shouldn't be affected. And how do I know that? Because where, who said that they are like Afar? Who said that they are like Afar? You know who said they are like Afar? So the Vilna Gaon points out the person who said that they are like Afar is Avram Avinu. You know what I'm really asking? I'm asking the Rebbe Oilam to help me be like the one I spoke right at the beginning of Mashmona Estrei, and that was Avram Avinu. I'm Afar. I'm just dust. What does it mean that I'm just dust? It means, you know what? If Avram Avinu was able to do everything he wants because he didn't see himself as like a, a big macha, but he saw himself as the dust. What is dust? Dust really is uh, are the building blocks of humanity. If we look into um, the creation of Adam Arishon, what was Adam Arishon created from? Adam Arishon was created from the dust of the earth. So really what I'm asking is, I want to go back to my real integrity. If I'm in my integrity, and if the person that I'm supposed to be, then all these things won't make a difference. But how do I do that? What is the process that's going to get me to that? Me, not everybody else. Because my way of getting there is going to be different from yours. Open my heart to your Torah. And the most amazing thing is that the Gemara says that, that a person will only learn what that which their heart desires. Open my heart to your Torah. I want my heart to be open to the things that right now I don't really like so much. Because it's only when I can, t- can be pushed out of my comfort zone that I'm able to connect with you. And my soul must like, run after your mitzvahs. And anybody who feels, who has negative thoughts about me, this is an unbelievable thing. This is, I want to be like Shmuel Akatan. This is, this is where we're saying, I want to be like that person who developed the, to develop fillers. Because anyone who thinks bad about me, what should happen to them? Nothing. To them, nothing. But the way they think should be, ta- should be changed. And Hashem, you should change the way they're thinking and change the way they, 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 their thought process and the, the advice that they're wanting to give to people. What we recognize there is the Hashkocha Pratit is the individual hashkocha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has on each and every single one of us. Because if he doesn't have hashkocha practice on me as an individual, not on the cloud, on me as an individual, then how can I ask him to say, let's say, um, um, Chaim Shmerel thinks badly about me in something, how can I ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to change his mind? It must mean that HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks after me like he looks after you, Judy Moritz. Must be. Has to be. Unbelievable. This is how I get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu by understanding Him. I say Laman Shmecha, but don't do it for me. Do it because I understand my role in the world. I'm not sure where it is. I'm not sure exactly how to actualize it. I'm trying as best as I can. Do it for your sake. Do it for, for, for your right hand. That's the strength of Hashem. Do it for your Kedusha. Do it for your Torah. Laman Yechalat Sunya Didecha. 
Hoshia Yamin Chavanei. What is Yechalutzun? From a Chalutz, right? Chalutz. Chalutz is a pioneer. Yechalutzun Yedidecha. You know why I want Hakadosh Baruch Hu to do all these things that I'm asking him to do? Because I want there to be a space where we can all feel comfortable to be pioneers in self-discovery. That's what Tefillah is about. Rav Soloveitchik says that if you come out of Tefillah and you haven't changed, <laughs> Tefillah wasn't Tefillah. Because Tefillah is a total um, transformational process. A metamorphosis is what he calls it. Hoshia Yamincha, let your right hand say, while the right hand, the right hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is the strength of Hashem, va'aneini, and answer me. Not answer everyone else. I've already done it for everybody else. But I need a space. Once I've davened for everybody else, once I've connected on the most highest level of, that you can possibly connect on the claw level, for me. May it be your will that Hashem, you hear not only the words that I say. Because the truth is, not all of us are so erudite. Some of us are not able to put into words the things that we're feeling. Therefore, hegyon libi. Even the depths of my heart, lefanecha before you, Hashem, Hashem, who are you? Tsuri v'gwali. You're my rock. You're my redeemer. You're the one who's connected to me. And so therefore, that's really what's going on. And that's what, that's what B'nai Israel, to go back into our parasha, were worried about. They were worried about the point that they would come close to Hashem as a community, but then they'd want to do the Elokai Natsor. And the Elokai Natsor was something that they were worried about. They were worried that it would hurt them. They were worried that coming too close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But comes along Hashem and says, you know what? I will give you the Kwanim. The Kwanim will put the things into the right structure. The Kwanim are Achachamim. The Kwanim are Chazal. Kwanim are our rabbis who give us the structure in which we can approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But this Elokai Natsor, by the way, is the space, if we've got any individual tefillahs, that's the space to daven them. Because that's the space where I'm speaking from my, the depth of my very Neshama. And when I speak from the depth of my very neshama, then I speak in a different way. That's hakarev. That's a different way of coming closer to our Kodesh Baruch Hu. So I hope that uh, we're able to take those lessons, understanding that, yes, we need to strive for Avat Hashem on the highest level. We need to strive in whatever we can. But our, our coming to closer to our Kodesh Baruch Hu has to be done within that structure that our Kodesh, 